Hello and welcome to Causing a Storm, the podcast where we give you a sneak peek under the hood of the fastest growing recruitment business in the world right now. My name is Chelsea and I'm the Global Marketing Director at Levin and each episode I'll be sitting down with one of our incredible team here to talk about their journeys, their learnings and their advice on what it takes to be successful in a business like ours. Today, I'm talking to Sonia Peters, our global VP of HR based out of London. Sonia joined us in the middle of 2022 to launch an internal HR function for the business, which at the time was around 400 people. Sonia has almost 20 years of experience in HR, including international roles in the fintech and wider tech sectors. Supporting the global leadership teams and our growing employee base, Sonia leads the charge in executing and continuously developing the HR strategy in order to support our crazy growth plans. Thank you so much, Sonia, for joining us in this conversation. So I'm really excited to have you on here. First up, I would love to know, as someone who's only joined the business for uh, six months ago now, what was it about Levin that sold you on this role? Wow. Um... Well, obviously, it doesn't feel like six months ago, but if I think back to that time, I was actually on maternity leave, having just had my little boy, Max, and I was thinking about what would be the best next step for me to take. So I was going through this kind of like analysis process of I knew what I definitely wanted, having worked for numerous organizations before, some like fun, engaging, a company that's on a journey so that they're willing to listen try new things, maybe not so stuck in its ways. So I had lots of opportunities to look at. And when I started interviewing with Levin, I got that feeling straight away that it was part of a team that I wanted to join. So I was interviewed by Jamie Robinson, who's our COO. And yeah, he was just kind of in a very understated, muted Jamie Robinson way, was pitching Mm -hmm. the business, pitching the organization. And yeah, I really liked what he had to say about what their plans were. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing for me to get involved in helping that business grow, like re-identify who they are and just, yeah, supporting them in that growth journey. So, yeah, spoke with him, had a great chat. And that that good feeling was definitely compounded when I met other people through the journey. So James Brown, our CEO, um, one of our non-executive directors, Vix. So, yeah, meeting those types of people, I thought, my goodness, if this business has got that caliber of individuals who are also actually really down to earth. And that's something that I want to be part of as well. It was definitely the people that sold me on the role. I love that. And for those who might be listening to this, who obviously we are primarily a sales focused business, 95% of the people in our business have a sales background. Yeah. Um, What is the role of HR in a business and specifically here? What does that mean? So I feel like if you ask 100 different HR people, you would probably get 100 different answers. So just from my perspective, the role that I see HR playing is really ambassadors and drivers for culture and engagement. I think Mm. those are the factors where HR is really integral to wrapping its arms around and making sure that that is an area of focus. So there's so many parts to like the culture and engagement piece. And I think working environment, that plays a big part in it. So 
how do you make someone feel engaged? Do they know what their targets are? Do they know how to reach their targets? Do they know how they're compensated against those targets? Do they know what area of support they have around them in order to help reach them, their management or leadership support? So I think things like that, particularly in this organisation, is where HR can play a real value add role to supporting Mm. that side of the culture. And obviously that's going to bring engagement as well. And if you think about engagement, one of the things in HR we're really interested in is attrition and Mm. hopefully helping people stay. So, yeah, I think you'll probably get lots of different people answer that question differently but I think yeah the the culture and the engagement piece clarity of communications I think that are some of the biggest things that HR should be involved in in modern businesses definitely I think there's so there are some functions within a business especially within something that is like a tech forward business Mm. where it's always a bit of a buzzword of is technology going to replace this role? Is it going to be something? And HR has been one of those for a long time. Is this going to be a function that that needs the human side of it when you've got so many onboarding platforms and so many sort of HR tech platforms mm. and things like that? But exactly what you said there, like when it's a people business and culture and engagement is at the forefront of it, of course you need people. Like technology should just enhance what the exactly. role is, make it more efficient rather than uh, anything else. And I think that's a really interesting concept, especially for you know, some of the tech businesses that we work for as well. We do work with a lot of businesses. Obviously, us, as an example of a recruitment business, we kind of sit on the outsourced HR recruitment acquisition function kind of side of it as well. So it is so interesting hearing that side of things and and your approach to it all and and what HR is within within our business as well. I'm going to go back. We're in June. We're in June 2022. You've joined the business. What has been the process for the first six months? What is it like joining as an HR leader, as a VP mm. of HR, to a business that is kind of relatively established in terms yeah. of, okay, we're, we're three years old, but we are 600 people, no HR function before. What is the first thing to do? What were you kind of given targets wise mm. it was here? it was such a refreshing onboarding experience for me I really enjoyed it so I was given this grace period of a couple of months I think it was three months that the CEO James Brown said to me just you know we want you to learn and understand the business so yeah I've been here six months but for half of that time period I was just really chatting to people meeting people and as you know Chelsea I haven't got a recruitment background myself this is the first time that I've worked in that industry obviously I have used uh, recruitment services before as 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 a HR person but yeah I was just I was learning about the business model and you know it's a really simple business model so that was quite easy for me to get to grips with but then just putting time in with some of our consultants and sitting next to them and asking them, you know, how do you do business development? And they would take me through what they do on a day-to-day basis and how do you do client calls? And then sitting with people in the commercial team, understanding a little bit more about what they do and all the other operational parts, such as our people and performance team, our business operations, finance, like it was a really full on three months, Mm. but I didn't actually have to deliver anything. And obviously, this that's is what you've said so many times, Sonia. You said awkward. I was awkward, here for three awkward. months. I was, I was here for three oh. months. I didn't have to do anything. We needed your brain. <laughs> we needed your brain. Yeah, it was definitely a very alien concept to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And so after I was transitioning out of that three month period, I then was able to start building a a team. So that was obviously super exciting. So it was interesting that as well, because we've never had HR within Levin before. So it it was really important for me to try and decide what Mm -hmm. kind of characters that we wanted to bring in as those lead HR positions in each of the regions. So pleased to say we found some great individuals, some of them already with us in the States and in Europe. And we've got somebody joining us in the UK soon next year. And yeah, so, you know, that's been the next fun bit after the first three months of what's going on here, trying to figure out who are the best characters to bring in. And that's, as you would know, Chelsea, the fun thing about building a team is you're kind of overlapping strength on strength. So you're trying to find the people with the best skill set, but also complementary skill sets so that you're basically building a team of strategic project managers who Mm -hmm. happen to have a focus in HR and people and engagement. And then kind of what we're looking forward to doing next is kind of strategizing together. So I think looking at the past six months, it's really about just been focusing on my learning, understanding the business, its makeup. Um, and where some of the pain and the pressure points are Mm. and then figuring out with the HR team what can we do to help alleviate some of those stresses smooth out some of the processes um, and just focus on making this a really good working environment as we you know continue to grow. How does this differ from as you said you don't have a recruitment background you've had a sort of tech background and Mm. work for businesses that are a lot more established than than what we are as a as a baby business even if we're a big yeah yeah (laughs) Um, how does it differ differ kind of going into a role where you've basically got free reign to Mm. create whatever this strategy is compared to something where it's already a built culture there's already some processes in place and things like that it is super excited and I'm so enthused about it because in many businesses that you join, somebody's already kind of laid it out for you mm-hmm. and you've either got to pick it up and run with it or pick it up and then start to unpick it, unwind it and then put your stamp on it. So it's obviously very refreshing and I feel very lucky to be in a position where I get to work with our leadership team, such as the CFO, Hamish, to sort of look at what we feel would be good for the business as we continue to grow. So the main difference is, yeah, not being able to just have to run with somebody else's plan, but to kind of collaborate around basically some of what our biggest visions and our themes want to be in 2023 and then come up with some projects around it it's always been interesting when you when you join new companies because you don't you kind of go through an interview process and you don't really know what it's going to be like on the other end and I'm really pleased to say like this wasn't missold at all like Mm. you walk in and it's basically what James and Jamie said it was going to be like pretty much a blank canvas and although the business is three years old they've just done some fantastic things already like there's so many good things which are happening already organically the business has grown in the right way we've managed to have lots of promotions and our leadership population is born from our management population Mm -hmm. and the management population is born from the employee population so there's so many good things already happening I'm really interested to see how HR can help continue to make a difference definitely it's going to be an interesting you know six 12 months ahead what has been the biggest challenges or the lessons so far I know before we've spoken about culture we've spoken about lots of different things here and the the obviously the scale of growth that we have had and we are going to continue to have is quite a unique 
circumstance. Mm. <laughs> There's not lots of businesses that have pretty much, you know, doubled and then doubled again their headcount over the over the course of you know a couple of years. So mm. how does that impact your function, your role, and mm. what are the sort of lessons even just in the last six months that you've learned? What I've what I've been thinking about in that regard is there's honestly there's so much that you could do you know you could mm. write a list and you could have a whiteboard session where you you list down 50 things what we're going to have to really focus on is probably what are the two or three things which are going to make the biggest impact that you want to focus your resource on because mm. obviously you're going to have a wish list of things that you want to do those things are probably going to have a cost attached to it whether it's time or whether it's actual money and so we kind of need to pick the things which are going to make the biggest difference. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons so far is like, don't try and boil the ocean, like literally yeah. have a think about what what is it that you think is going to make an impact. And part of that is really the consultation process you go through with the leadership team. So I remember being here for a couple of weeks and doing some analysis on um exit interview analysis and why mm. is it that when people feel that they don't want to be part of the Levin journey anymore why is it that they leave and digging into that and I just remember sitting down with one of our brand leaders Kaylee Bottomley and just going through some of that data with her and just having a chat with her about you know yeah. this is what it's telling me what do you think about it and the more people that you talk to and the more that you use data to inform your decisions you can start building up a picture of what it is today but then how do we want to move the needle how do we want to change that and what are we looking for it to be like in a if we could have our perfect world what would we yeah. want it to look like so I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges is kind of like deciding with this like wealth of data where is it that you want to put your areas of focus and I can only really make those decisions in consultation with members of the leadership team Absolutely. and I'm pretty sure we're all going to have different ideas so that'll be that'll be the next fun challenge as well just trying to yeah. figure out which direction to actually go after having spoken to them all that kind of really nicely brings me on to some conversations that I think we've had previously about this and around that culture piece because with a business that's growing as fast as we are you've spoken about attrition you've spoken about the leadership piece all of that mm. falls into you know why do people stay in businesses I think we I think you mentioned it when we had our, our chat the other day around people don't leave business they leave or a job they leave a manager mm. and that all ties into this culture piece and mm. from my side of things I'm constantly asked by other businesses that we're working with the you know interviews with people joining the business but also from a press point of view as well when we put out a press release about all the fun things and the growth that we've had one of the first questions they come back with is like talking about culture, how to build and scale culture as you scale. So as you blitz scale, as we say, that is very topical right now, mm. but also with, you know, the current market and everything we're going through, this is probably going to be what keeps us, keeps the attrition low, keeps, you know, the, keeps the right people in the business um, yeah. for as long as they possibly can. What's your, what's your thoughts on that in terms of how you, scale mm. you maintain you grow a culture within mm. a business this sort of size it's a really fascinating topic and you know I've never been part of an organization which has gone through this journey before so I'm kind of learning as all of you guys who have been here before I did you're learning as you go as well something I think is worth keeping in mind is around the core values yeah so I feel like if a company has the right set of core values and doesn't overcomplicate that that is a really good place for you to continue to go back to 
like mm. in Levin in order for us to build the culture and the environment that we want that we believe will help people have long and successful careers and will keep them happy and motivated in their job if we live by those values those things will happen and mm. people will want to stay with us so I think honesty performance responsibility I honestly think they're you know I didn't come up with those but they just they really resonate I think with yes. a lot of people that work here like responsibility I, I've spoken to so many people who feel really responsible for the role that they do for the they feel responsible for the clients that they work for mm. and that they're supporting that you can see that they're working hard to build relationships build honest relationships with their client 100% and yeah it just it all seems to fall into place you know I, so I feel like when you're like scaling like you say if you're able to just always think back about am I acting in a way where I'm acting with that honesty and that integrity and I'm trying the best that I can so I'm pushing my performance every day I'm trying to excel I find myself working in an environment where I can perform then yeah those those rewards are going to come through I think and that's definitely going to help the culture it's going to be fascinating definitely do you think culture is top down or bottom up in terms of joined businesses before that are a lot more established, they have a culture that is is more fixed, right? Because of the fact that they've been going for so long and, you know, headcount growth to the scale of what we're doing isn't the priority. It's just, it's business growth, it's revenue growth, it's, yeah. it's that side of things. When you've got something that is more stable rather than what we're doing, which is still aiming to scale, it means that we're constantly moving and these mm. pieces are constantly moving. The, the culture doesn't stay still because... Yeah. We haven't finished yet. We haven't plateaued in terms of like what the business is going to look like over the mm. next three years. Obviously, core values driving all of that. But there's, you know, you do have a different experience joining a 50 person office versus joining a 350 person office. Yes. Who drives culture within a business, would you say? Gosh, I wish it <laughs> hard was. Questions. It, hard questions. Hard questions today. I, I really, I really, I feel like this is my interview, Chelsea. I think, right, like, you've taken me you've back. You've already to got the was. job. It's fine. You've got the job. <laughs> you were taking me back like six months ago in time. I would really like to say we'd be in a position at Levin where the culture is driven from the employees. Mm. However, given that we're in our infancy, comparing us to many other big brand names that are out there, I think the leadership have a really, really important role in being ambassadors for culture. So anybody that is in a leadership or managerial position, and that might not be even a manager of people, they Mm. have a really important part to play in the culture. And I think the more people that we see embodying those values and walking around and we look at them and we like, yeah, you know, they are really good at what they do and they respect themselves and they respect the job that they do. It just creates that vibe. Like those are the kind of people that I want to work with. And I remember when I was in my career many years ago, I would probably unconsciously be looking out for those people because I wanted to see role models in the business that I could look up to and you know you probably never even speak to them or tell them that you admired things that they do but I think when you're starting out in your career and you've maybe got like two or three years experience of your career under your belt you still need to have people around you that you look at and think yeah actually I quite like what they've got going on I'd quite like to model some of those behaviors so whilst I feel like employees are going to be the ones who take that culture over and make it exactly what it needs to be I feel like in the infancy 
it's very much coming from those individuals who are established and confident in their own careers um, mm. and they're kind of giving out that culture vibe um, which yeah, I see happening here. 100% I think also our focus on organic growth of promoting from within as much as possible and being able to give those opportunities to people who join us at you know straight out of university 21 years mm. old is something that like as you say you looked out for it from previous businesses from your from the function that you're in from the role that you're in because of what it does for your role but also you know I think back to I've been here for two and a half years now and the people who I remember at the on day one in the week one of when them start when they started who embodied those values because it's not always the loudest person in the room it's not one of those people mm. that goes on every night out or anything like that but those people who are open and having conversations about their limitations and asking for help and mm. taking responsibility for their own performance and things like that those conversations that I had are now today's directors of big functions and mm. of top billers from the previous year and are doing really well you know they they are culture drivers but also you're rewarded for it like mm. you embody the you embody the values in this business that's what we recognize and we reward and we want people who are like that you don't need to be the person who is the loudest in the room. You know, we have people from all types of backgrounds, sexualities, ethnicities, religions, mm -hmm. who still embody the, the values. The values are not yeah. discriminatory, however you kind of take it on. So I think that's what's really special about uh, what we've been able to build. I'm massively biased, though. Like You are. <laughs> I, you I are. Love, <laughs> I love this. Business. No, it's really important, Chelsea. <laughs> like, the environment that we've got here, we're touching on sort of like 30 or 40 different nationalities. 100% I yeah. think that might just be London went over to Amsterdam earlier this year our Amsterdam office is so unbelievably unbelievably multinational mm. I can't remember exactly what numbers are on it I need to double check that but we created a little video off the back of it of people from nice. just saying where they're from because it, cool. and it was so special seeing that because it was just the whole point of like, you can come here from anywhere. You know, we're not hiring people with backgrounds in recruitment. Everyone brings something to the role. Sales mm -hmm. is a people business. So you need to be able to speak to people. And if we bring in people who look like our audience mm -hmm. that we serve, then actually we're, from a business sense, we're, we're covering more market, right? Yeah, like that's, it's that's perfect. Really thing. Focus so much of our attention on gen z population that we hire in mm. right 98 yeah. percent of the people that we hire in are first jobbers um whether that's a sales role or a business ops role as well and one of the things now as we're starting to get a bit older and people are starting to be with us for three four years but obviously they're going through different stages of life now mm. so our benefits opportunities and the options that we give our people need to also kind of change with that as well yeah. equally hiring in more senior people in functions like yourself who want different things to a 21 year old fresh out of uni living with yeah. their friends yeah one of those things that we wanted to talk about because I know that you kind of fit into this category is that working parent piece and how important was that how much of your of your interview process where was that mentioned like what does the flexibility look like here for you and how does Levin fit in around your life? I think it's a, a consideration for many businesses and at Levin it's going to be a growing consideration so there are a number of working parents here and I'm pleased to say that the, the environment that we've got here which I definitely capitalized on myself was 
if you need flexibility for whatever reason, you should ask for it and it will be considered. So as a working parent, I made sure that when I was looking for a job that I would be able to do a couple of days working from home that would really allow me to support with the kind of pick up and drop off situation um, with having two children. So that was really important for me. And it really works here at Levin. So I know that we've got one dad here who likes to come in at 10 a.m. a couple of days of the week so he can drop his children to school for 8.45. And then I've got a colleague today who's working from home because she wants to go and see her son's nativity play this morning. So these are these are real life factors. So when yeah. you when you take employment, other parts of your life don't stop. And I think mm. when you're catering for a very diverse business, which we are going to be, and we are at this point in time, there are going to be some individuals who have caring responsibilities, whether that be caring responsibilities for a child or a family yeah. member. Yeah. There are reasons for them to request flexibility. Mm. And, you know, even if you don't have caring responsibilities, but you want flexibility, you should also be able to ask for that because we want that to be an open book policy for people to to kind of say what's important to them and for that to be considered so I know that we've definitely moved in that direction mm. when it comes to working parents as well and people wanting to start families with us something that the CEO and I were talking about which is really important to both of us is to as much as possible support both working parents so yes. we are talking about equalizing the paid time off for both parents in the situation mm. so typically you would have a birth parent and the other supportive partner so both of those individuals would be able to access the same amount of paid time off in Levin mm. regardless of their sexual orientation or their gender um, mm. regardless of whether that child was born through childbirth or through adoption mm -hmm. or through surrogacy so Levin is going to be doing a lot of work around creating that inclusive environment equalizing as much as possible Mm. Um, where possible and the working parenthood really plays into that as well it's a perfect place for us to start and it's yeah. important to many of us as you know people are going to progress their careers here they're going to be asking questions about if I was going to go off on a period of paid leave after starting a family what does that look like when I'm off but also importantly the CEO and I were talking about what does it look like when you come back you know are you mm. going to be able to still hold down that same job feel comfortable in that role still perform to an exceptionally high level whilst you're looking after a young family so all of those things are important consideration they're definitely moving in the right direction as I say looking at equalization across as we go um and yeah, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize that everyone's bringing 100%. something different to the to the Levin journey. And yeah, we want to take all views into consideration. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's being spoken about as well from the sort of top level. I think that's so important that that C-suite level or get involved in the conversation, even if it's, you know, there are working parents at that level as well but also even if it's not something that they're directly right now being impacted mm. by so what is it over the next 12 months that you're most excited about <laughs> I know that we've touched on a couple of little <sighs> things here about mm. your team about all these mm. different things What's the most exciting thing over the next 12 months? I should also say here as well, you said that six months, you can't believe six months has passed. We do okay. believe in the thing called 11 years here. Okay. <laughs> so 
Time right. is at a weird speed. It, so is, it is very here, weird. 12 months here is like five years somewhere else. It is gone incredibly quickly. <laughs> I can't even begin to think about what I'm going to be doing in the next six months, but a definite area of focus for me would be kind of like that gelling of the HR team. Like how amazing is it that you get to bring in talented professionals from your walks of life? And yeah, just just like have a chat about, you know, what's going on in Amsterdam? How What's yes. the vibe in the New York office? Let's talk about what's happening in London. And exactly as you say, Chelsea, like breaking that into themes and mm. then making that manageable. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to start just having chats. I know I started off my journey just having chats with people and, <laughs> and 12 months in, it. I'm still going to be having chats with people. Paid to um, chat. That's a pretty good Paid to chat. Like, yeah, that, that definitely was not in my job description, but I kind of made it an integral part of my job description. But I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then kind of building out a plan, which then proposed that to leadership about some of the things we need to be focusing on mm. in 2023. So yeah, it's kind of a Amazing. watch this space kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I think also your role is so massively impacted by societal changes and like mm. what's, you know, who would have prepared if I'd spoken to you in January 2020 and said, oh, what are you most excited about for the next 12 months? I imagine trying to figure out pivot after a global pandemic wasn't part mm. of your... Uh, Nobody <laughs> had at that. that point. No. <laughs> so who knows what the next uh, few months is going to kind of bring us. But um, but no, that's that's awesome. And definitely having a team and being able to yeah. talk the same language again as well <gasps> is so, is so important. Fun. It's so good. <laughs> Love that. One of the things that we do at all levels of the business, right? I know what our CEO's why is. I know what our... my newest hire who joined a couple of weeks ago's why is we're going to ask this throughout this series throughout these conversations for everyone because I think it is so important that everyone recognizes that this is not just a job to put money in your boss's pocket you want Mm. you want you have a goal in life and what you want to achieve uh, to do with your family to do with outside of work as well so this is just a means to get you to whatever that is so I would love to ask you Sonia what your why is I I have a a very work focused why here. So I'm at a stage in my career where I've gone through lots of roles where I've wanted different things, whether it was to get me on the next rung of the ladder, whether it was to get me a pay rise to a certain amount, mm. whether it was to get me some kind of international exposure. For me right now, my why is to be part of a team that is making a difference like yes. that's really all I care about I've done like the hard graft roles where you're working for somebody else and basically mm. putting money in the boss's pocket as you say whereas this is the role where I want to make a difference and for now yeah I want to be changing and challenging things not just turning up and fulfilling that job description yeah. so my why is to kind of work in a team that wants to make a difference and is just striving to make those changes so it's really open like no but I changes. love that I love that. I think that's striving to make a difference. I think it's so good. It's broad. It's a broad one, but also the, I always say this to my team, like the beauty and the curse, beauty and the beast of (laughs) this role is that because there is no actual blueprint, no one's done exactly what we're doing before in the sectors, in the, in the kind of recruitment world to the pace and the scale that we're doing it, it means that there is so much opportunity to write the book on it. Like, and this is definitely the business to be able to to do that. And you can measure that impact and you can really like put your stamp on it. So very cool. Love that. 
And then to finish this off again, we're closing all the conversations in the same way. And I think it's a really nice way of uh, getting to know you a little bit, but also your uh, as you build out your team, as you said, we're, we've got someone joining in London, but we've also, I think you're looking for Singapore mm. in a few months. What's your favorite question to ask in an interview? So my interview process is quite, as you could imagine, it's quite methodical. I've got my little interview sheet, got my questions that I always ask. And one of the questions I ask kind of like in the middle of the interview, because it can kind of change the way that the interview goes, is it's a simple one. Just asking that person to tell me about a project they felt passionate about. I love that. Thank you so much. Sonia, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You're welcome. We'll speak soon. Thank you. Cheers, Chelsea.